0: You are now entering Frida's World. Join us as we address various issues facing women of color in the workplace. We'll help you navigate your professional and personal life the Frida way. It's Frida's World. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and rassy at the same time. You clatch it. Like you love church music, but you f*** future? That's clatch It's Frida's Welcome back, everyone, for another episode of Frida's World. Happy Wednesday. I hope you guys are staying safe in these streets, and I hope that you guys are keeping positive i know that it's hard to do so during this time we are still in a pandemic people are dying babies are dying now we have asian hornets that are taking over the united states you know there's a lot going on in these streets there's a lot going on that would cause us to be anxious to be scared to be frightened but I will encourage you guys to do your best to stay positive. Despite everything that's going on, we may not understand why things are happening, why we are losing our loved ones, why you know we're struggling to make ends meet every month because we lost our jobs. We have no idea. And honestly, I don't even know when we're gonna get answers because clearly the government is not providing <laughs> answers um, the way that they should. But either way, I just wanted to share this text that I read yesterday as I was journaling. Um, I have this journal that has um, prayers and Bible texts um, on each page. And so as I was journaling yesterday, I looked down and I was like, this is this is actually a really good verse. I don't know why I've never seen it before. (laughs) You know, I I feel like I am a student of the Bible, but, you know, it's it's been a while since I've delved in. So maybe that's why. But I wanted to share it with you guys because it definitely gave me a lot of comfort, not only for this pandemic stuff, but just in my professional life, in my personal life, you know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, what's the next step for me? This pandemic has definitely shook things up and I'm trying to figure out, you know, what do I really want to do? Who am I really in the professional world? Like what, what do, what do I want to do next? And it's difficult. It's hard to come to these conclusions. Um, some people have it easy, but some, some of us don't. And so when I read this text I was like, man, you know what? I need to worry less. <laughs> I need to be less anxious. And I need to really just cast all my burdens and cast all my fears on God because that's who I believe and that's where I believe my strength comes from. And the one thing I will say about these times, I do appreciate the the moments of solitude. Again, I would I would have never Requested this type of leave under these circumstances, but I really feel like a lot of us needed time. And we are two months into this lockdown, and I am now feeling, after two months of being home, that I'm starting to see some changes in the way that I approach things, you know, psychologically. I am now feeling less anxious. I am now feeling less worried after two months, which goes to show that, you know, if you guys are starting to do that important work, right, that self-work, and after two weeks, you feel like, man, you know, this isn't working. I've sniffed enough aromatherapy. I've done yoga for two weeks and I still don't feel zen. I still don't feel calm. Listen, it takes more than two weeks. It takes more than a month. It actually takes more than two months because I feel like I'm now scratching the surface and I'm in therapy twice a week <laughs> and I'm now scratching the surface because I'm not just dependent on my therapist, you know, because they, they can only do so much. I'm dependent on the work that I do for myself. Like I said, I, I journal. I actually sit and stare at the wall and ponder and actually try to dissect certain things. I try to figure things out myself as well. And I pray. I ask God for assistance. I ask God for guidance. I speak to, you know, my friends who understand me, who know me, and you know, we try to debunk some of these things. We try to, you know, break down some of these these issues or these concepts. You know, it's it's a lot of work. And I'm excited. I think my breakthrough was the other day when I did this personality test. Uh, because I was trying to do career assessments. Lawyers are always confused. okay we never know what we want to do. We don't know if we want to be a lawyer. we don't know if we we don't know what we want to do. So I'm constantly taking these you know professional exams that keep directing me and telling me that I'm an advocate. Um, but I ended up down this like personality test rabbit hole and I took like two very extensive personality tests. Some of, I think one of them is like the standard in psychology. And it revealed that I have a very rare personality, which goes to explain a lot, <laughs> because for the longest time, I thought that I was just this odd individual who who most people didn't get. And I couldn't understand how most people you know, thought and operated. And it was just very interesting just to see myself on paper and to say, wow, I'm not odd, I'm rare. <laughs> and so, by, but by doing that, it made a lot of things make sense in terms of Career in terms of what types of jobs, even in the legal sector, that I need to be doing based on my personality, the way that I communicate with people, my love life. So, either way, I say all that to say this it's important to do the work. It's important to, you know, work on yourselves. Right now, we're home, we're anxious, we're scared, but we can push that fear aside a little bit at least. And start to really like reflect on ourselves do some self reflection and let's you know get ourselves to a space where you know we're not feeling as anxious we're not feeling as as tight we're not feeling as as worried and as stressed and as confused you know let's use this time to really reflect on ourselves and to really you know focus and get us to where we need to get and to be of sound mind because we This is this stuff is crazy. It's not normal. It's not normal at all. But we recognize that. And so we can still move forward. Right. And we can still press forward. So the text goes, it comes from Exodus 14 verses 13 to 14. And this is the NLT version. Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Lord himself will fight for you. And this resonated with me because We are afraid. We might not want to admit it, but we are afraid. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to happen with our jobs, with our health. I mean, now I'm hearing reports that a lot of people who are, you know, presenting with coronavirus at the hospitals are people who've been quarantining. It's crazy. You don't feel safe anywhere. But the text says, just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. And I think that that is just so powerful that the Lord will fight for you and that, you know, a lot of us are trying to fight for ourselves and a lot of us like me cannot be still. I cannot stay still. Even if you paid me a million dollars, it's not in my nature. It's not in my personality to stay still. But during these times of crisis, when we don't know where to go and we don't know what to do, we need not be afraid and instead trust the Lord. Trust God, stand still and let him fight our battles for us. So hopefully this will, you know, resonate with somebody and hopefully, you know, you guys will feel a little less worried and, you know, begin to do the work that's inside of you with the help of God or whoever it is that you believe in. So now that I got that morning meditation out the way. Today, we have a very special guest by the name of Yadlin Shirubin. She is a licensed real estate agent here in New York, and she is going to talk to us about real estate. So I know we are currently in the middle of a pandemic, and many of us are wondering whether or not buying and selling real property in this pandemic is wise. And on top of that, there's been so many rumors in these streets with respect to real estate, with respect to buying and selling, with respect to credit scores. I mean, I heard one person say that, you know, credit doesn't mean anything right now because we're in a pandemic. So if you have a 300 credit score, you're able to buy property. There are other, you know, rumors uh, indicating that banks are not lending um, I've heard other rumors saying that, you know, because of this pandemic, there's going to be so much property available that, you know, we're just going to be able to just pick that, you know, houses are going to be going for like two hundred dollars and that is going to be a whole like free for all and that the housing market is going to crash. So, you know, it's one thing to hear things, you know, from the Internet and to hear things out of the mouths of other individuals but it's another to hear it from experts and so Yadlin is an expert and she is going to give us the proper information and she is going to set a lot of these rumors straight she's going to demystify and debunk some of these ideas with regards to buying and selling because at the end of the day guys We are going to get out of this pandemic, right? We are going to get through this. What the new normal will look like, I don't know. What the market will look like exactly, I'm not really sure. But we are going to get through this. And real estate matters. Real estate has always mattered. And it still matters today. And so this is going to be a really, really informative, important show. For those of you who are interested in buying and selling, you definitely want to keep it locked and you definitely want to stay tuned. But before we get into the meat of the show, you guys know I always share my highlight of the week. And my highlight of the week is very simple. It's that my Uncle Eve is out of the hospital. He was in the hospital for over a week having surgery. He has um, you know, end-stage cancer. And, you know, going in a hospital right now (laughs) for any reason is scary. And so, you know, we were really, really worried, but really excited that yesterday he came home. Um, You know, we did a little FaceTime and he's doing well. So all of you who were praying for him, we're keeping him in your prayers. Thank you so much. So that is my highlight of the week. And now we are on to the meat of the show. All right, everyone. I'm here with my very special guest, Yadlin. Yadlin, say hello. Hello, everyone. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time. (laughs) to be on this show and to share your expertise on real estate. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. There's just a lot of information that I want to share. A lot of things that people are saying out here that may not be true and may be true and I just wanted to have a nice conversation with you and kind of like put it all out there.
0: Thank you. And you are definitely, you know, doing your thing out there. So congratulations on you and your partner. Uh, is it the Legacy Properties? The Legacy Group? I'm always mixing things so,
1: up. So we, so we are The legacy team. I work with where I'm a licensed realtor with Keller Williams, and we are the legacy team with Keller Williams. I've also established legacy group properties um, for investment. Okay. So I'm owner of the legacy team, which is I'm the team leader, the rainmaker. And then I also have legacy group properties because I mentor agents, new investors, and trying to grow the portfolio for like, you know, real estate investment. So um, there's a lot going on
0: with me. (laughs) All right. Well, good things, of course. So how (laughs) long have you been in the real estate business, Yadlin?
1: So I've been licensed for over 16 years. Um, Real estate, I've had other jobs, but real estate was always the constant with me. Okay. And um, so licensed uh, about 16 plus years, I had full time jobs, I worked for the city for about seven, I got my master's in public administration and went to human resources for a few years. And all through that, I was doing real estate on the side. And I remember maybe about five years ago, I was just tired. I have I had two boys, two young little toddlers at the time. Mm-hmm. And I had to decide I was like, you know what, having a full time job and doing real estate, I wanted to kind of figure out and do something that I knew that I would love Mm. and that worked for me as a mom. And I wanted to make sure that I kind of got my time back because working a full-time job and being a parent, you know, it can be stressful, it can be a lot. So about five years ago, I kind of sat down and I was like, what is it that you wanna do? And then I realized that real estate was a constant for so many years and that I actually loved real estate. So I quit my full-time job as a a human resources uh, administrator and I've been doing full-time real estate for the last five years.
0: Okay. And so I would say within the last five years, I guess, what, uh, what I guess, I don't even know if this is really a question, but I, 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 I want to kind of say like, what have been like the market trends in a sense, um, in terms of buying and selling, you know, in terms of like, I guess prior to this pandemic, would you say it was a buyer's market or a seller's market?
1: Well, it was definitely a seller's market. Okay. Um, I find that a lot of the buyers, so I represent buyers and sellers, a lot of the buyers that I work with, you know, sometimes it was a struggle because they would, um, you know, be like having multiple offers on properties and it would be hard. So those buyers that had like the best down payment, the highest credit scores, they were the ones that would get the, you know, the first dibs on the properties, I should say. So, you know, it's been a seller's market for quite some time. Yeah. And uh, right now it still is a seller's market, believe it or not.
0: (laughs) Interesting. And I I, I guess I want to jump into that then. You know, obviously we're all being affected by this, you know, COVID-19 coronavirus, particularly in New York City, we're still on a lockdown. So how has COVID-19 changed the real estate market or has it changed the real estate market?
1: So it has. And how it's changed in New York, basically the governor said that we're not really able to show as a real estate agent. Yeah. So we are limited. We can't do anything. We're doing virtual showing. So I've had virtual consultations with buyers. I've had virtual consultations with sellers where I'm doing a Zoom call and the sellers are walking me through their house because these are people who intend to sell as soon as the market open up opens up for us. I've had virtual consultations with buyers because they want to buy as soon as the market opens up. So it's it's been a challenge because, you know, a lot of people are talking about, you know, the market is crashing and, you know, that's not really the case because we're not really able to show. If we were able to show, we would be selling property. But because of the limitations set, you know, we can't, you know, we're not allowed to go out there and do in-person showings. And in New York, it's not very common for people to buy homes virtually. They're you know, it's been done in other areas and there are some people that are actually selling home virtually right now. But that's not a common thing and that's not what we're used to as New Yorkers.
0: Okay. So key, key thing I got from that piece was that the the housing market is is currently not crashing.
1: It is not crashing. No.
0: And so with respect to buying and selling, I guess then it's you know, some people are wondering whether it's a good idea, it's a bad idea, but it looks like things are kind of still status quo aside from us just being on lockdown.
1: Yeah, pretty much. You know, so, you know, one of the reasons why I can say, and, you know, we've talked about like me getting into real estate and real estate being a part of my life for 16 plus years. The reason why I'm in real estate and the reason why I got into real estate, because you know what? Real estate is one of the best and fastest ways for you to be able to build and create wealth. Mm-hmm. And many people understand that and realize that. So right now, even though this is, all of this is going on, interest rates are still very low. And when interest rates are low, that means it's more affordable for you as a buyer to own a home. So you know, as soon as what what we all think is going to happen, as soon as the market opens up and we're thinking, you know, the governor allows, we're thinking in June that the market will open up. Hopefully, Mm -hmm. there's a lot going on. You know, like people are losing their jobs, and we have to consider those people that have lost jobs that were looking at one point. So with that said, there's going to be less buyers out there, but there's still a lot of people who want to buy real estate, and there are still people who want to sell. They
0: don't have to sell. But they want to sell. Now, with respect to selling, I know some people are concerned that, OK, I need to sell my my house because they're moving or for whatever reason. But they have this fear that if they sell during this, you know, I guess this crisis, this pandemic, that they're not going to get market value or above asking price and that in a sense they'll be at a loss if they sell their homes at this time. Is that, is that true?
1: Well, like right now, that's not the case. Um, For the last I would say almost a month and a half, two months, prices have dropped very slightly. Now, when you when you look at prices dropping just a bit, you know, you have to consider as a as a homeowner, if you want to sell and your intentions are to, to buy somewhere else or to move out of state or to retire, you know what we have you do is pretty much look at the whole picture. Okay. Now if you're if you're gonna hold on to a property just to get an extra ten thousand dollars, is it really worth it? You know what I'm saying? So right now you're not losing a lot of money, you know, and sellers are still making top, getting top dollar for their home. So yes, if prices went down, let's say like I've had, I had buyers that I'm representing. They made offers right after the shutdown. And initially they made offers and they good credit, great down payment, great jobs. And someone else outbid them on a property. Two weeks after we were on lockdown, I get a call from the agent and the agent says, Hey, that property is available. Now the previous buyers lost their job. Mm -hmm. So now if your buyers are interested, the property is available. So my buyers were able to come in and they. I guess the previous buyers were offered maybe about $10,000 more than my buyers offered because I represented my buyers. I, you know, I had them stay firm on their offer because they both had city jobs. They both have been employed for a long time. They both had really good down payments, great credit. So the seller took that into consideration and said, you know what, I'm not going to try to get that extra $10,000. I'll go with these buyers because these buyers are really solid buyers. So that's what's happening. So this is not a market crashing. This is you know what, you know, you can get a couple thousand dollars off in a grand scheme of things in a mortgage.
0: That's maybe a couple of dollars on your your monthly payments. I see. I see. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like all this is making a lot of sense right now. So, you know, you mentioned certain criteria when you were, you know, giving your um, characterization of, of the, of the buyer seller. Um, that, you know, they had great credit, they had a good down payment, they had, you know, good jobs, longstanding jobs. So for people who are interested in buying at this time, or buying in general, really, what are what are some of these, I guess, important criteria that that they need to kind of have in place?
1: So, you know, your credit definitely is is important you can buy a property with a 600 credit score. However, if you have a higher credit score, the the higher your credit score, the better for you. Okay. Okay? So, and I don't know, like recently in, in the news, I think Chase and a couple of banks and a lot of banks are doing this right now. They're increasing the requirements. They're changing the requirements to make sure that, you know, if you're buying a property, they want to make sure that you're able to pay them back. So the credit scores were changed and you know, so they're looking for like higher credit scores for conventional loans right now. You know, they're looking for 700. Banks are looking for 700 credit scores. Um, some banks are requiring 20, 20% down for certain types of loans. So basically what the banks are doing is that they're still loaning money. The interest rates are still low. However, they want to make sure that these buyers are solid buyers. They want to make sure that your job history is consistent. They want to make sure that, you know, they're, they're really, going in and making sure that they're not leaving anything behind just to make sure that anyone that's getting a mortgage with them will be able to repay the, the loan.
0: Okay. Now, when you talk about job history being consistent, if so, if let's say somebody switched jobs, you know, maybe twice within a three year period, is that something that's considered inconsistent or is it you know they were working for a year and then they weren't working for 6 months and then they started working for like 9 months and then they were off again for 3 months
1: so you know what they what the banks look for is basically let's say if you switch jobs but it's in the same field mm-hmm. so like you're an attorney with one place and then you find you get another job as an attorney in another corporation or another business that's consistent it doesn't matter that you were with two different firms but if you go from social worker to HR administrator, that's a problem because it's not the same field.
0: Okay.
1: So they're looking for that kind of consistency. If there's any gaps in your employment, they will see that. Um, so, you know, the banks right now, they want to see consistency in employment. They want to see that you're in the same field. They want to see increase in, you know, pay. Yeah. They want to make sure, like, if you're working overtime one year and then next year you're not working overtime, they're not going to count that overtime pay for that first year. You know what I'm saying? But if you're working overtime every year, like my husband's a New York City firefighter. So firefighters, they work overtime like every year. Mm-hmm. So he works every year. He's working, you know, let's say 100 hours whatever, 50 hours overtime. So that's something that's consistent that they can use to calculate as part of your, your approval. But if you're in a job where you work overtime one year and then the next year you're not working overtime, they're not going to look at that overtime pay. They look for consistency. And that's important.
0: Now, we talked about credit scores being important. And it's funny because I did actually re, uh, see that article with respect to banks now looking for 700 credit scores um, when it comes to lending. Now, we're hearing a lot right now, at least again, this is like, you know, what's going on in the rumor mill in these streets that, you know, cash is actually much more important than credit. And so, you know, there are a lot of people who are still employed, thank God. You know, they're still getting their, um, their we- you know, their weekly or biweekly paychecks. Nothing has really changed for them. But because of everything going on in the pandemic, they're choosing to either defer certain bills, not pay certain bills, kind of blame it on the pandemic. And there's this whole idea of, well, nobody's reporting anybody, the credit bureau right now. Um, so we can go ahead and just hold on to all the cash as possible because that's more important. Like, what's your take on that?
1: I say that that's not a good idea. I think that, um, if you can pay it, you should pay it Mm. because you never know if just because it's not being reported, you never know that's going to come back and bite you. Mm. So if you're able to like, you know, you know, people were reading that you don't have to pay your rent and things like that. If you're able to pay your rent, pay your rent. You know, if you're truly having problems financially, then absolutely contact your mortgage. If you have a mortgage already, contact them and see what kind of plans they have in place and how it works. But if you are able to pay it, you definitely should pay because you never know how it's going to come back and hurt you. So that that's my take on it.
0: Now with respect to, you know, I guess purchasing a home at this point. So in a scenario, let's say somebody has, you know, has v- very poor credit, because they they've decided to you know what credit's not important because I have so much cash to purchase this home. So how how does that really play? I guess when it comes to you know um, a seller now wanting to sell their home to to an individual who's like, well, I have all this cash. They don't they don't really have much of a credit score because they've just decided that since they have all this cash, they don't really care about credit. How much of I guess how much does a seller or does a yeah does a seller care about an individual's credit if they have like a whole bunch of cash to purchase the home
1: well credit credit absolutely matters when you're getting a mortgage so it's it's if if I'm representing a seller we're going to go through the whole scenario so even if the person has cash if their credit is poor that's a problem and that may come up later on down the line so a seller may take someone with less down payment and an absolutely great credit score and a really great job history than they would with someone who just has a lot of cash, unless you're buying the house all cash. I mean, that's a different scenario, but if you're getting a mortgage, your credit absolutely matters. Yeah. I wanted to start- so. sellers consider that like right now you have to be as a, as a seller, you're being very strategic and you're looking at your options and you want to make sure that the person that you choose to buy your house is really going to be able to move forward through the whole process and complete the transaction. That's so important. So they look at the full picture, not just one aspect of it.
0: Now, I know that, and again, I'm only, I can only speak to prior pandemic because I'm not a real estate agent or in in the in the field. But prior to the pandemic, I had a lot of friends who were interested in you know purchasing homes for the first time, and so we would often talk about different programs that the government had and the states had, like the you know FHA loans and just different types of grants. Um, now, in light of everything that's going on with the current state of the economy, are those program still you know going on are people still able to um, access this type of funding
1: absolutely FHA is definitely something that's still around um, you're still able to benefit from that as um, a buyer and um, and grants grants are a little different because grants are typically funding that certain organizations get and those things are usually annual so you have to kind of see whether or not those Funding's are the funding is still available. So with any kind of grant, it doesn't matter whether it's a pandemic or not, sometimes the money runs out. So just like even with the business loan, the SBA loans, that money ran out real quick, <laughs> depending on how many people are applying for it. So that's the same thing with these grants for first-time home buyers. It really depends on the organization. Um, you know, what I would do as a buyer is contact whatever organization. So there's like NACA, there's different banks that give money out where it's not a, like a long drawn out process. And I would just contact the bank and say, hey, what kind of grants do you still have available? Do you still have funding available if I should, you know, choose to buy something within the next three to six months and see what's there. Mm-hmm. But definitely first time homebuyer programs, those things are still out there. We just have to kind of make sure that the funding did not run out.
0: Now, in terms of just the overall like picture of what the housing market in New York City is going to look like you know, post pandemic, like what are some of your predictions?
1: It really, really depends on how long this lasts. You know, we're, we're hearing that there may be another wave. We're just hearing a lot of different things. And it really depends on number one, when realtors will be able to get back to business. When will we be able to actually show properties in person? Like in New Jersey, I have agents that are working out in New Jersey and they're able to show properties in person with their clients. So, you know, if we're not allowed to do that, let's say for three, four months, then there may be a problem. But if the governor says, you know what, June 1st, even if June 15th, realtors can now go out and show and conduct business, you, of course, you have to be safe about it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, all these precautions are going to last way more than just a season. You know, it's going to be a long-term thing, you know, that we're dealing with. But if the governor allows us to go back and start showing properties the way we were doing before you know, there's not going to be that big of a difference. I think there's going to be a lot of buyers out there. Like I said, at the beginning that I've been doing buyers consultations virtually because there are people who truly want to buy. So as long as the rates are still great, you know, people are still able to get mortgages, it should be okay. Now, if the governor decides for some reason, because it's still not safe, and we go through the summer not being able to work, then I think then that that's when it's really going to be a problem. If people are continuing to lose jobs, if people are still dying, you know, there's going to be, A problem. And I think it's going to be much worse.
0: Okay. Now I know a lot of people are thinking about, you know, investment properties at this point, you know, they're, they're, you know, everything is happening and they're like, you know what, I want to kind of get into the market right now for, and and do, you know, and get rental properties. Is that something that you consider to be, um, I guess, a wise move in terms of a buyer who's strictly looking for just investment properties to kind of not necessarily just flip, but or, uh, but to rent out during a, a time where, you know, people are losing their jobs, they're being furloughed, you know, there's like a moratorium on like, I think on mortgages and on rent. Do you think that this is the wise time to purchase properties for the sole purpose of renting?
1: So I would say yes. Um, but when you're purchasing properties for investment and renting, the numbers have to work. Um, in addition to renting it out to just a traditional renter, You have a lot of programs out there that are that are willing to pay you your rent. I have one of my tenants, I get a check twice a week from the government. So there are programs out there that will pay rent for your tenants, and you won't even have so those people are very lucky because right now, where people are going through financial problems, they're still if they you are receiving a check from a program, you're still getting your money. So I would say absolutely yes, but the numbers have to work. You have to know what you're gonna be able to rent those properties out for. If you're going to use a program. You need to know what the requirements are for those programs for you to be able to get a tenant from the, one of those programs. And I think it's absolutely a great idea to buy an investment property. As far as flipping, flipping may be another thing because you know what? You have to have your, your contractors available right now. Contractors are not really able to work. You know, if you're going to get hard money lending, that kind of thing, you know, the rates are higher, they're asking for more money down. You know, so there's a lot going on with the actual investment, like flipping Mm -hmm. area of investments, but for rentals, absolutely, because you know what people need a a place to live, and if you are renting to someone on a Section Eight program or one of those different programs that's out there, you know you'll be you'll be okay.
0: Okay, and so. Does your team, does your group provide this type of either training or I guess consultation for individuals who are interested in, you know, getting a rental property and finding out more about these programs?
1: Yep, absolutely. So, you know, one of the things when I started the team, you know, I, I called it legacy team because in my mind, you know, again, I said in the beginning, real estate is one of the best ways for you to create wealth. And I'm a believer in buying and holding properties. Because when you hold on to these properties, you have it for 20 years, 30 years, you pass it down to your kids. That is definitely growing and creating wealth for your family. And you're creating a legacy for your family. So part of the thing, what we do as a legacy team is that we, a lot of our buyers um, become first-time investors. So what we do, we help people with, called house hack. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard about house hacking. No, you know, no, some no. of our clients when they're purchasing their first homes, they'll buy like a four family and they'll buy a four family property. They'll live in one unit and now they have three units in which they're renting to others. And then after one year of living in that four family and they put like 3.5% down the FHA after one year, a year and a half of living in that property, they go and they buy a three family home now. So when you get a FHA loan after about a year of having that loan, you can downsize okay. and then buy and use another FHA loan to purchase your next property. So you go from a four family to a three family to a two family to one family, and you're holding on to all those properties. So now you have all these units that are paying you rent. Mm-hmm. And now you and your family finally buy that one family house that you've been wanting. And that's not, not maybe not your dream home, but it's a home for just you and your family. Mm-hmm. So we, we teach our, our clients how to invest, if you don't want to go that route, there's other routes, you know, that you can go pulling out money on investments and things like that. But we definitely teach and train and we, we connect you with people that are doing the same thing and that can teach you how to invest in real estate.
0: Okay. And I think what you said, is, it's really important. You know, I've heard that as well, too, that real estate is really one of those areas that could, you know, help you, you know, grow your wealth and, and, and whatnot, I think this is just a little daunting to a lot of people. They're just, you know, they're just not sure. They don't know where to start. They don't know where to begin. They've heard so many stories of people trying to flip homes. And, you know, so people are a little terrified of it. But I think you're right. That is one of the ways, you know, property is one of those ways that you can establish your wealth and and your legacy. So I think that's really important that, you know, your team teaches people how to do that.
1: Yeah, and we we make it our point to empower the buyer and the client to really be a part of the process. We don't wanna do everything for you. We want you to own the process because we want you to feel comfortable with doing this again. Yeah. So we want you to understand what the inspection, the whole home buying process, what does it mean to have an inspection? What does the appraisal mean? You know, How much money do you need? How do you calculate You know, whether or not this is a good investment for you? We, we really help you go through the entire process so that you understand it, you feel comfortable And you're willing to go ahead and and do it multiple times. Now, yes, you know, real estate, it's an investment. So in any investment, things can go wrong. But as long as you do your part and you really make effort and you really do your homework, you should be fine.
0: Okay. So now what would be your advice for anyone looking to buy or sell in the near future?
1: Get an awesome realtor. (laughs) (laughs) You can call me. (laughs) <laughs> um, and really just ask the ask questions, you know, know who you're working with because having a really good, first of all, not even just a realtor, getting your team in place. That's what you need to do for anyone that's looking to buy or sell in the near future. You have to get your team in place. And what does that mean? Absolutely. You need a realtor. That's going to help you find that home. It's going to help you run the numbers. It's going to help you find that location that that's, you know, that would work for you. You also need a real estate attorney. A real estate attorney that's going to make sure that you get into a contract that benefits you. Okay. You also need an inspector, someone that's gonna go through the house and make sure that you're buying something that's not gonna, you know, fall apart. You know, you don't want a money pit, so you want a home inspector that you can trust. You know, you need an accountant. The accountant helps you decide, you know, what kind of depreciations you can do on your tax returns, because there's there's a lot of benefits to buying real estate. So when you have a good accountant and you have multiple properties, your accountant will tell you, okay, this is what you need to do. If you decided to sell something out of your portfolio, the accountant will tell you, when to do it and how to do it. So you really have to have that team in place that's gonna, that you trust and that's gonna really put you and guide you into the right direction. That's really important.
0: So now, I guess in terms of how we find the legacy team, the legacy property group, how can we find you? Are you on social media? If you can provide your contact info?
1: Absolutely. So yes, we are on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Yadlin, that's Y A D. L Y N D. And we're at, um, on IG as well at legacy group properties. Um, you can go to my website, www.yadlin.com Y a D L Y N D. And my phone number 646-271-3004. Um, again, right now, you know, now that we can't really do in-person consultations, I'm doing zoom calls. I'm doing telephone calls. Um, you know, I definitely can answer any question that anyone may have regarding buying and selling right now, or even in the near future, putting yourself on a plan. Let's say if you, if you were thinking about retiring, my goal is to get you on a plan so that you know, okay, when you should be putting your property on the market, what you should be doing to your property before you put in a market. What we do with our client is that we really put you on track to help you meet your goals. So yeah, so you can find me on Instagram, Facebook, Everything is pretty much like Yadlin, Y-A-D-L-Y-N-D. Google me, you can find me.
0: (laughs) And I think it's really important to know that, you know, there are still showings happening. They're just happening virtually. But I mean, I've seen some of, um, on Instagram, I've seen some of the showings that you, you know, the rooms and everything like that. Um, So, you know, people have been doing this, like you said, in other states and other jurisdictions. And it's something that, you know, I feel like New York, unfortunately, we might have been in the dark ages for a little bit. And this pandemic is forcing us to kind of get, you know, get in, get in with the times and really think create yeah, yeah. how we do our jobs.
1: Yeah, but I'm finding that I think that we're going to continue to do this. Mm. Um, I have um, a buyer that I signed and he's moving from Texas to New York. So he's he was prepared to buy something virtually mm. like he's in Texas. He needs to, he's he's going to be um, working at a hospital I believe July 1st. So he needs to buy something virtually. So he's like, you know what? So I've been doing things virtually. I've gone to the properties for him that, that they were ba- vacant. Giving him the virtual tours. We're using Google Maps so you can see that the area. We're doing our homework. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to have to change the way we do business. Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to change it. But, you know, we're adapting. We're doing- know, it's all good. It's all good. We're in 2020. Like... <laughs> Right. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Yadlin, for coming on and giving us this information. I really feel like I learned a lot just from you breaking down just, you know, some of the, you know, demystifying some of these rumors, but really breaking down the process. And I can't wait till, you know, when I get my stuff together. (laughs) to really look into, you know, like the house hacking thing. That was really intriguing to me. I didn't even know that that was a thing.
1: Yeah, it is a thing. And let me tell you, a lot of people are creating wealth just doing that. Um, And another thing is that, you know, when I was younger, I had friends that were in college and they were were CPAs and they would travel Mm -hmm. for work. Work would send them, like they would spend like two years in one place and then go somewhere else. And one of the things that they did, wherever they went, they bought a property. Wow. And so now in 2020, I'm telling you, I have friends have that have like six, seven properties in different, like really big cities. Mm. So this is like real estate is, it can be amazing. It is, it is a commitment, but I think it's definitely worth looking into. Yeah. And, um, you know, like when you look at all of these wealthy people, real estate is always a big chunk. There's always a big chunk in their portfolio. Mm-hmm. So if you can consider it, if you can do it, if you can make the sacrifice to invest in real estate, you really, really should, because you will not, you, you can't really go wrong. Now, you just have to know your numbers.
0: Now, be- before we, we wrap it up, I want to kind of ask, you know what is your opinion of friends pooling together, people pulling together to buy properties? I know I've been hearing a lot of, uh, groups, you know, a lot of people saying, you know what, they're looking to put, you know, a team of, you know, three to four people together to go in and purchase a property together and, you know, and flip it or, or rent it out, you know, and kind of have like a group income. What, what's what been your experience with uh, with that type of setup?
1: So I would say that I, I'm actually doing that right now. I have a, a partner that we're buying properties, um, multifamilies. we're buying like four family units together we're pulling our money together to buy multiple units. Um I think it's it's a it's a good thing. However, you have to have it in writing. Okay. Have to have everything in writing. You have to know who you're dealing with. Hopefully you ha- you know who this person is. It's not someone that, you know, you just met on Instagram or anything like that. Do your homework and have an attorney draft paperwork for you guys um, in order for you to make sure that if anything happens, let's say one of the the uh, parties want to sell what happens then? So let's say if you have four people and one person decides they want out, how do you manage that? Yeah. You have to have these things in writing so that everything can move smoothly. But I think it's a good idea. The more you have, the more you have, you can, you can do more with more people. That's true. So like right now, me and my, my partner and I, we're probably going to be able to buy four, four, three or four families before the year is over. Now, I may not have been able to do that on my own, but now that I have someone else, You know, we can put our money together and and make that happen. So, but this key is having something in writing and understanding how it works. Having, you know, I wouldn't have like a big group, I would say limited to like three or four people
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and have your attorney kind of look at the paperwork to make sure that, you know, if someone decides to move forward or let's say someone gets married and now they want out or whatever that situation may be, that you know how to handle that. But I think it's a great idea.
0: All right, cool. Definitely. Yeah. I, I hear a lot about, and I know a lot of groups, a lot of, you know, I always refer to my WhatsApp chat groups. Um, you know, there's always groups kind of, you know, wondering and, and trying to figure out, you know, how would this look like? Is it even possible? Is it recommended? But yeah, but that's really good to know.
1: Yeah. And it, and one of the one person in the group would have to be the control that has to take control. They'd have to be the voice for the group.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You'd have to have some kind of an order. So that like when you're making decisions, one person is the one pulling the information together. One person is the one that's, you know, you have to kind of make sure that you have order so that it can be a nice, smooth transaction.
0: Okay. And then also
1: you have to have uh, like what you expect. So what kind of returns are you guys expecting? What kind of, everybody has to be on the same page. What kind of property are you looking to buy? Mm -hmm. Are you going to hold a property? Are you looking to flip? You have to decide what kind of model that you guys are going to be working on so that there's not going to be confusion. You know how to focus your search.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. All really good information, all really helpful information. I think especially now, you know, although we've demystified some of the rumors, I know a lot of people are going to be looking to purchase some property, you know, right when this pandemic is over, or at least at the tail end of it. So hopefully, you know, when they hear this Mm -hmm. information, they'll be able to reach out so they can be truly educated on how to move forward with all of this.
1: Yeah, there there will be some opportunities because, you know, a lot of people have died,
0: Mm -hmm. you know? So
1: there will be estate sales going on. There will be opportunities. You just have to look for them. Okay. Like we, this is something different. We're dealing with thousands of people dying. Yeah. So what's happening to them? Like if they own properties, you know, what's happening to those properties, things will come up. It's not going to be in two, three months. It may be a year. Yeah. From now, but if you're looking for opportunities, there will be opportunities.
0: Okay. That's definitely good to know. Yep. A lot of information, a lot of information, but a good information. <laughs> I definitely want to do a follow up because I feel like this is this information is so rich that people are going to want to know more. Um, so I'm really glad you were also able to give your contact information so that they can, you know, hit you up and ask any questions. Now, I always ask my guests, do you allow sliding in the DMs? Because I know you gave your Instagram, but sometimes, you know, people are not so um Keen on having, you know, people slide in the DMs. They would prefer them to text or call. Do you have a particular preference or is, you know, anything goes? No,
1: no, no. Actually, I actually do a lot of business on Instagram. Um, I get a lot of people that are just following. A lot of my business is referral based. So let's say if I sold you a property and I I like to, buying a property is a big deal. So when my clients buy properties, if they're okay with it, I showcase them on my pages Mm. and their friends see it. And their friends begin to follow me. And sometimes their friends send me messages on Instagram. Hey, can I ask you a couple of questions? So I start building a relationship with them. So definitely Instagram is a platform that I use. You can can slide into my DM, as long as it's business related. (laughs) Please. (laughs) You can slide into my DM and I will be more than happy to assist you and answer any questions that you may have.
0: Yeah, great. Well, thank you. <laughs> this was really, really great. I'm really happy we we're able to do this. I know it was a long time coming for me, um, but I definitely appreciate you sharing your knowledge and just being able to answer all of the questions so uh, robustly, if that's a word.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I appreciate you having me on. And again, things may change. So, you know, depending on how things move with the next few months, things may change. So we may very well have to do a follow up. But I really, really appreciate you having me on. And again, you know, real estate is a big deal. And I think if you want to buy it, you want to get into real estate. And I also mentor, I don't know if I mentioned that, but I also mentor new agents or people that are looking to become realtors. Okay. So that's one of the things that I do okay. as well. So, yeah, you know, yeah. real estate, I think it's, I really love real estate. And I, again, I had to sit down and say, what has been a constant in my life for the last 15, 16 years? And it was real estate. And I love every bit of it. So, if that's something that you are interested in, as far as buying or even getting into just being a real estate salesperson, definitely hit me up. I would love to give you information and you know guide you and help you to move forward to your next level. So I'm here for you.
0: Thank you. I definitely will be sliding in your DM. <laughs>
1: Girl, you got my number, you don't gotta slide in my DM. You can call me.
0: <laughs> you know, like we're always on Instagram, so sometimes it's just so much easier. But yes, I have your number, so it is, <laughs> yeah. <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> So, thank you everyone for tuning into another episode of Frida's World. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, Frida's World, F R E E D A S underscore world, or go to our website, www.friedasworld.com. And I will talk to you guys next week. Whose world is this? It's Frida's World. What's it like? What's it like? Classy and ratchet at the same time. You clash it. Like you love church music, but you f- future? That's clashing. It's Frida's World.